Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So today is the 11th of May, 2020. This week is going to be pretty insane. But the the thing that we all have to focus on is keeping our eye on the ball. They are distracting us. They're letting all of this stuff out, come out with Flynn. So people are focused there. They're pushing this coronavirus while at the same time, all of us are battling to maintain the rights that we are afforded simply by being citizens. They are attacking them left and right. We have governors targeting the elderly, of course, you know, they're conservative voters. Why not? Uh, eminent domains. Uh, governors are being spanked this week, uh, at the white house. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Uh, you know, with, uh, Rona McDaniel, I found a treasure trove and I tried to put it as concise as I could in that article this weekend. I have so much to talk about. I don't even know if two hours are enough because we have just so much to cover, uh, from what's coming to what is here, to what is going on, to bad reporting. I mean, we have people that are news personalities that should be analyzing things that are said, okay? And they're not doing it correctly. I'm excited to see that Obamagate trending at 3.4 million tweets with the hashtag Obamagate. It is insane. And uh, I said impeach 44. So all of my longtime listeners have heard that because it always goes back to the top. I saw the Federalist try to break a story about how. There was a secret meeting and everything. And it's like, so when in 2017 and in 2018, two big publications and even TV reporters, I sent everything I had and none of them said anything. And now they do it. You can say, oh, it wasn't what it wasn't time. No, guys, this is where I get frustrated is when reporters sit on things and don't report them because they're worried about their jobs, self-preservation, right? Or they're worried about this because imagine if those reporters had actually put that information out there back in 2017, back in 2018, we wouldn't be here right now, would we? We'd be enjoying a thriving gold back economy like nobody's business. But instead, here we are, Locked in our homes with no money, the economy tanked, they're trying to push a bill to create Karens, right? And (laughs) they're taking away our rights as we speak, Uh, like, and there's war, right? We've got Erdogan coming to to the White House. He just accepted an invitation to come, uh, supposedly. Uh, This isn't confirmed, but... Saw it going in the back chat. I thought I'd mention it. So we have things going on between Iran and North Korea. Nobody's talking about that. It's like there's an embargo on that knowledge. We have Barack Hussein Obama, who who was crying and misspoke. No one pointed the misspeak out. Like very few people caught on to it. You know, th- th- this is the most insane time to be around. Your head is constantly spinning. We need to keep the eye on the ball and just focus on what the facts are. That's what we need to focus on. What's really important? What's the point of saying, ha ha, this, ha ha, that, 
When in the end, if they take away our rights while we're busy focusing on something else, we're done. We're toast. We're finished. We're finished. These vaccinations with ink, these contact tracing, they want to make contact tracers legal. They want to pass a bill. Ironically, 6666666666 is the bill's number. I mean, seriously, you guys, it's as if they're trying to gaslight us doing that. So I thought we would start with a good chuckle. Okay. So here's where we're going to listen to the first segment of audio of Barack Hussein Obama and what he had to say about, you know, the coronavirus. And this was supposedly a private conversation with people, former members uh, of his administration. I want you guys to listen to this. This is hilarious. Take a listen. Election that's coming up on every level so important because uh, what we're what we're going to be battling is not just a particular individual or a political party, but what we're fighting against is these long-term trends in which being selfish, being tribal, uh, being divided, uh, and seeing others as an enemy, um, that that has become uh, a stronger impulse uh, in American life. And by the way, you know, we're seeing that internationally as well. Um, and it's part of the reason why the response to this global crisis has been so anemic and spotty. And uh, it would have been bad even with the best of governments. It has been an absolute chaotic disaster. Uh, when that uh, mindset of what's in it for me uh, and to heck with everybody else, when that mindset is operationalized uh, in our government. So uh, that's why I, by the way, am going to be spending as much time as necessary and campaigning as hard as I can for Joe Biden. Um, we all know Joe. We all know Joe, and he's going to be campaigning. So he says that people are selfish, tribal, divided, and see each other's enemies. I'm sorry. That's exactly what you tasked your Democrats to do. Um, sorry. Excuse me. Mm. And yes. This is indeed, Barack Hussein Obama, an international phenomenon. And that's why our response wasn't that good, even with, <laughs> with, <laughs> with an excellent government. Listen, man, bottom line is the guy sounds jealous and he's starting to say that, you know, this is like a big deal, you know, and that we're seeing lots of deaths. But, you know, the question is, why are we seeing all these, you know, Kung flu, Kung flu deaths? And it's pretty simple. Brooks told us is it my there is no what? There is no flu. Of the exquisite monitoring that needs to occur in partnership with CDC and state and local governments, utilizing the surveillance systems that are available 
what we just talked about, the flu surveillance system, because we no longer have flu. We no longer have flu. Okay. Well, just so people know that the number of leading deaths, so like leading deaths in our nation, influenza and pneumonia are, you know, up on the list. I think they're like um, seventh on the list from the top. That's a pretty big deal. That is a very big deal. Now, so it, the pandemic, he talked about it. He was a little bit salty. He didn't have much to say because he's been busy doing other things through Canada. Huh. Wait till we get to Canada. But anyway, he started to discuss General Flynn. Here's where we need to deconstruct his rubbish. The, the degree to which uh, the news uh, over the last 24 hours, I think, has been somewhat downplayed about uh, the Justice Department dropping uh, charges against Michael Flynn. And the fact that there is no precedent that anybody can find for uh, someone who's been charged with perjury. Ouch. First of all, huh, General Flynn was not charged with perjury. So this is completely, so, so where did he get his law degree? Did he even go to law school? Like now I have to question it because perjury is something you do <laughs> under oath, you know, in a court, you know, when you lie to FBI agents, right? That's not perjury. That's a process crime. And if your lie has anything to do that would impede the whole ending of the investigation, that's when they could charge you with lying because it's kind of like you obstructed justice because you lied. So just so you know, you could sit there and lie and say you had a steak even though you had a salmon because if the difference between you having a steak and a salmon doesn't impact their general scope, then nobody cares. So... So here we go calling out Obama and none of, I'm not a lawyer. Uh, so like, dude, you don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, just getting off scot-free. Uh, that's the kind of stuff where you, you begin to, uh, get worried that basic, not just institutional norms, but, uh, our basic understanding of, of rule of law uh, is 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 uh, is a risk. So you mean Lady Justice being blind, catching your minions, trying to entrap a three-star general, and putting him in that position is a risk to justice? Like whose justice are we talking about? Because I'm not I'm not seeing where the problem is. And. And when you start moving in those directions, um, it, it can accelerate pretty quickly, uh, as we've seen in, in, in other places. So uh, I am hoping that all of you feel the same sense of urgency that I do. No, they don't. They don't have an urgency. You have an urgency because you are about to be impeached. Impeached. Impeach 44. Uh, you know, I... Whenever I've campaigned, I've always said, ah, this is the most important election, especially, obviously, when I was on the ballot. Yeah, that always feels like it's the most important election. This one, I'm not on the ballot, but I am I am uh, pretty darn invested. Yeah, you are darn invested because your tush is on the line. Your tush, he sounded frazzled, terrified, and you know what? <laughs> 
nothing can stop what's coming. That's the way it is. Because impeachment's going to happen, and President Barack Hussein Obama is going to get caught for orchestrating this coup and almost bringing it to reality. This is what's going to happen. Because, you know, the the Flynn family was... torn apart they were knocked down financially they the 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 lies the entrapment i mean it's ridiculous flynn was literally framed and unlike many other generals right do uh you know this general when he was retired dead got into a line of work that let him keep an eye on things. Kind of like I said, when I got out of the full-time gig, what did I do? I tried to find an excuse to take a specific direction that they would accept was the bona fide excuse. So that way I can have my eyes on the molecular and cellular biological community so I can penetrate the laboratories because I wanted to find the trail. That was, that was my task. No one paid me for that. That was my task. In the meantime, actually, it cost me a lot of money in student loans to go to med school, to get degrees, to be able to travel around to these laboratories. But, you know, I mean, it's for America, right? So whatever, Uh, you know, we do what we can with the little bits we can, right? So this... This, this, this spiel now that now we're suddenly hearing, now we're hearing from the right. Oh yeah. He knows where the bodies are buried. When, why didn't you say that in 2017, in 2018, in 20, why are you saying that now? And actually it's not bodies being buried. He could point out with his pinky where all the closets are that are packed jam-packed with skeletons, just like I can point to all the blackmail. Skeletons. That's where they got tons and tons of skeletons in their closet. Because General Flynn was the biggest wrench thrown in Obama's continuity of government by attaching himself to President Trump. That is basically what happened. And one of my top five alarming incidents in the courts Remember, aside from Judge Collier that I said, finally she's been removed and obviously people talked about it two years after I did because, you know, the mainstream media, both right and left, have done a complete disservice to the people because if they were talking about it when they should have talked about it, it would be 2020, a golden 2020 right now. And instead, we are where we are because people refuse to report. And you know what? I reported, but I'm not, I don't have a platform like other people do, like other women do, like other people that write and put out do, because uh, trust me, I had sent this stuff so many times, times and times over again. And instead of them doing anything, they sat on it. They sat on it. Even with judge Collier, they sat on it with chief justice Roberts sat on it, sat on it. Why? This is where you need to look. Just like we caught what, Trey Gowdy, right? Ooh, Patriot, ooh, attached himself to the president's legal team. And he knew all along that it was a sham. And he suggested that the president go and testify. So what? They can trap him. But I'm going to tell you something. So over the weekend, I was doing a lot, a lot of digging because I have so many articles that are going to be dropping today. So many of them. There's this one that I'm working on. I actually discovered 
how we paid for the Mueller investigation, you guys. I actually discovered who was on the Mueller team, you guys. Everything. And what you're going to find out is going to completely shock you. When I say complete, it's going to completely shock you. Just like it shocked me when, you know, Judge Ellis, you know, was like, oh, yeah, you, you know, treason. Hey, aren't you supposed to be tried for treason, General Flynn? I really hope this guy gets removed from the bench super quick, super quick, because judicial prejudice is one of the biggest concerns, especially when people are trying to wrap you up in a bow, stick an apple in your mouth with fabricated, compelled pleas and false information, disinformation. This happens everywhere, not just to the general, everywhere. And like I said, I've been victim to it. And all I could do is sit there and say, why is this still up there on the internet? Like I'm suing this guy. Why can't, oh, because they're untouchable for now, for now, for now, just for now, because in the end, (laughs) good always wins. And like I said, justice, unfortunately, never, ever, ever comes in in a Ferrari. It's always riding on a donkey, like a turtle donkey, like a turtle donkey with no legs, a turtle donkey with no legs and a flat stomach. So it can't wiggle. That's how slow it goes, but it comes, it comes. And it's just like, seriously, now you turn up. Gee, thanks. Take your time. Will you? But it comes out no matter what it comes up. No matter what truth always shines in the end, always shines. And again, (laughs) once again, The minions of Barack Hussein Obama are the ones that shamelessly pushed this propaganda, shamelessly told the world that the president of the United States was a Russian agent. Let me play this insane CNN clip. It's going to drive you insane. Where they list 18 reasons why Trump may be a Russian agent. I kid you not. After testimony transcripts revealed FBI concerns about whether President Trump was working against American interests and questions swirl over why the president would want to hide the details of his private meetings with his Russian counterpart, Vladimir Putin. Hillary Clinton is having a told you so moment tweeting, quote, like I said, a puppet. Uh, She is referring to that infamous moment from the 2016 presidential debate stage. But Clinton isn't the only one who issued a warning about the president's affection toward Putin. Here's a look back. From everything I see, has no respect for this person. Well, that's because he'd rather have a puppet as president of the United States. No puppet. It's pretty clear. You're the puppet. what Donald Trump is saying is that he would unilaterally surrender to Russia and Putin, give Putin a massive foreign policy victory. This guy's already doing enormous damage to us around the world. This is a race between a man who uh, praises Vladimir Putin, pursues Putin. And he thinks Putin's a good guy. So I just can't go there. And Donald Trump has got all these weird connections with Russia. Donald Trump says he admires Vladimir Putin. At the same time, he's called George W. Bush a liar. That is a twisted example of evil trumping good. I do think that um, a Trump victory is a gift to Vladimir Putin. It's like on their, they're on the same page. And now you have Vladimir Putin basically pulling out the old KGB playbook on how to manipulate Donald Trump, and it appears he's fallen right into it. Mr. Trump's continued uh, flattery of Mr. Putin 
uh, and uh, the degree to which he appears to model many of his policies uh, and approaches to politics on Mr. Putin uh, is unprecedented in American politics. Fast forward to what will soon be the president's third year in office, and we are reading headlines like this from my next guest. Here are 18 reasons Trump could be a Russian asset. Max Booth is a columnist for The Washington Post, a senior fellow for the Council on Foreign Relations, and a CNN global affairs analyst. 18 reasons Trump could be a Russian asset. How many years in journalism have you been? How many years? Many years. Many years. Did you ever think you'd be writing this piece? No. I mean, this is like something out of the Manchurian Candidate or the Americans. I mean, this is the realm of spy fiction becoming reality. It would have seemed bonkers until Trump, but it's not bonkers anymore. So let's go through what is not bonkers, all 18 non-bonker items, starting with your number one on your list of 18. Trump has a long financial history with Russia. This seems to me something that so many people dance around, but really it's like follow the money, which is precisely your point. Right, exactly. I mean, this is how intelligence services ensnare foreigners, by funding them, by giving them opportunities. We, we know that Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump have bragged about how much money the Trump organization has gotten out of Russia. We know that in 2016, even as Donald Trump was running for president, the Trump organization was pursuing a plan to build a Trump Tower in Moscow. This is an entangling financial relationship that also leaves them potentially open to blackmail. Uh, item number 13 on your list, Trump has praised Putin while trashing just about everyone else from B-grade Hollywood celebrities to leaders of allied nations. And then you remind everyone about how he congratulated President Putin on his rigged election win when he right. had an aide say, do not congratulate him. Right. He just can't help himself, right? I mean, it's stunning because Donald Trump is like Don Rickles in the White House. He's an insult machine, but he doesn't insult Vladimir Putin. Even when Putin does something like expelling American diplomats, Donald Trump actually thanks him for that. So the conclusion... You say, now that we've listed 18 reasons Trump could be a Russian asset, let's look at the exculpatory evidence. Brackets. This page intentionally <laughs> left blank. You wrote, you wrote, you write this. Yes. Is there no, on the flip side, on the other hand, Max? There really isn't. I mean, if you listen to Trump himself, uh, he says, nobody's been tougher on, on Russia than I have. But that's just ridiculous. He has not been tough on Russia. There have been a few things tough on Russia that have occurred during his administration, but they've been the work of Congress, like the 217, 217 uh, uh, Sanctions Act or the, uh, the work of aid, such as the expulsion of... Okay, let me read you this list. You guys ready? Financial ties to Russia. Election hack to favor Trump. Russia, if you're listening. 101 contacts. Carter Page, Paul Manafort, Roger Stone. Fired Comey. Refuses to acknowledge hacking. Undermines the FBI Justice Department. Undermines EU and NATO. Supports populists. Praises Putin. Interpreter notes. Repeats pro-Russian talking points. Pulling troops from Syria. Ukrainian ships. And sowing chaos for Russian objectives. Remember, this is the Washington Post, right? This is Bezos, who's taking the place of Soros soon. This is their plan. This is Max Boot, a clown, an idiot, and someone who's supposedly a brand-name reporter telling you financial ties to Russia. They came up empty. Election hack to favor Trump came up empty. Russia, if you're listening, yeah, Russia, if you're listening, please step up. 101 contacts, whatever. Carter Page, psh. Paul Manafort, psh. Roger Stone, psh. 
crashed, all blowing up, fired Comey. Oh, heck yeah. Refuses to acknowledge because it wasn't hacked. Undermines FBI and Justice Department. You mean the people that were orchestrating a coup against this nation? Are you kidding? Undermines EU and NATO. Oh, you mean the organizations that helped those local clowns and cronies of Obama's do this coup? Supports populists. What? Praises Putin. Huh? Interpreter notes. Which ones? The ones that Vinman said he altered? Repeats pro-Russian talking points. You mean common sense? Pulling troops to Syria. Duh. Not our war. Ukrainian ships. You mean where you guys were hiding all your money and sowing chaos per Russian objectives. Oh my gosh. Did you hear that? Now, after the break, we're going to go through a little bit more just to see how much rubbish all of these brand and that includes the right that I've been thumping some of these points. Okay. All this time, because if you don't realize just what kind of war they've waged against us, you are not paying attention. The New York Times, so nicely, threw out my whole circle of friends in an article saying they're all conspiracy theorists. Loved it. Loved the failing New York Times. (laughs) I loved it. So this is what we need to focus on. The rubbish. I'll see you guys in a bit. Forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. Every decision will be made to benefit American workers and American families. America will start winning again, winning like never before. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. Do not allow anyone to tell you that it cannot be done. No challenge can match the heart and fight and spirit of America. We will not fail. Our country will thrive and prosper again. Your voice, your hopes, and your dreams will define our American destiny. When America is united, America is totally unstoppable. After nearly four years, my family's nightmare is finally over. We couldn't have survived this without the love and support of the millions of patriots around the world. Thank you from the bottom of our heart. Hi, I'm Laura Loomer, and I'm running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District. Wouldn't it be horrible if we lived in a nation where journalists were silenced just because they confronted the political and media elite? You might think that could never happen in America, but it did. And to me. For confronting people like Hillary Clinton on her corruption and Ilhan Omar for her ties to radical Islamic terror groups, I have been banned on pretty much every single social media platform. And if that doesn't sound extreme enough, I'm also banned on Uber and Lyft. I know, I cannot understand that last one either. When this all happened to me, I contacted the media and members of Congress. I asked them for help. 
I kept calling, I kept emailing, but I never received a reply. And that's when it hit me. I'm a well-known journalist who has the phone numbers of the most powerful people in politics and media, yet I couldn't get any assistance. What on earth would the average American do if the same thing happened to them? I realized then that if I wanted to see change, that I would need to run for office. The American people deserve representation that listens to and acts on their concerns. So here I am, running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District, because the American people deserve a voice and a representative who, like President Trump, will keep the promises they make and speak up loudly and clearly for that silent majority. All right. Welcome back, everyone. So where we were at in the last half hour was talking about the fake news media, and that includes the right. Never, ever exclude one side. Because the one thing everyone should realize is that the president is a centrist. He's not far right. He's not far left. He's right in the middle. In the middle, and he lays his feet standing firm on the foundations of this nation and on... common sense moral codes. But you know, the left for over three years have been pushing this Russia hoax, parading around shifty shift on their side. Oh, he's going to close the Russia probe. Oh, the walls are closing in. Oh, all this is happening. And out of all of them today, I decided to point out Brian Stetler because he put out, he on his show, Unreliable Sources, right? He said things that made my hair stand on end. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, the audacity. But before we get to it, let's remember that this man who's a reliable source, according to himself and CNN, look who he endorsed for president. Yeah, I don't know. I agree with you. I don't know if it's a good thing that star power and TV savvy is required for the job. But I think it is. And, and by the way, I think President Obama also had a lot of TV star power, and that helped him no, he pre-Trump. Uh, but Trump is more evidence of this. And looking ahead to 2020, uh, one reason why I'm taking you seriously as a contender is because of your presence on cable news. Yeah, I don't. That's him talking to Michael Avenatti. So here is what he said. And it sounded like he was saying, obey me, listen to me. Everybody else is wrong. Listen to me. This is where you need to focus. When they tell you look left, you need to look right. Listen to this. In the midst of a crisis, the size of which we've never seen. The data is important. The numbers are important. The death toll isn't something to just be downplayed. It's not something we can hide from, even if it is gut-wrenching to hear about every day. It's like New Orleans floods every day. It's like the planes go into the towers every day. And to look away or act like it's now normal or acceptable is a disgrace to the victims. It's so disappointing to look at what we're seeing from right-wing media these days where what did he say? Respect to the victims? Did you guys hear that? Listen to that phrase again. Listen to that. Normal or acceptable is a disgrace to the victims. What? What victims? 
it's so disappointing to look at what we're seeing from right-wing media these days where there's such an obsession with the deep state and these uh, revelations about the right. You mean that you lied for over three years about the Russia hoax and you got caught lying and now we're obsessed? Are you kidding? It's our turn now. Russia probe and the decision about Michael Flynn. They're treating the Michael Flynn story like it's a bigger deal than the deaths of 2,000 Americans a day. What? Do you know? Again, stats. Seven and a half thousand Americans die every single day. Every second 11 people die but now he's bothered you know, we're seeing this on fox and friends and other shows when, when the president called into fox and friends the other morning friday morning right before the unemployment rate numbers came out he talked about the flynn case uh for 20 minutes before he was asked about the pandemic in what right mind is any scandal any political scandal any department of justice story more important to ask the president about than the pandemic that's because the pandemic is an infodemic. It's a plandemic, infodemic. It's fizzling out. You're losing. And now we have governors coming in tow, you know, and we'll talk about that because the governor of North Dakota has taken a big slap in the face, you guys. And it is why? Because of you. Because of you getting the word out. It's not even your state. It's like the people in the state of North Dakota are sleepwalking. This guy was deploying drones. He was having DNA harvesting parties, which, by the way, like I said, we're going to recap on that. He quashed them all, quashed them all. And I think the president set him up with a trap. It's so good. We'll talk about that. But listen to what else this, you know, truffle shuffle clown says. It's raging. I, look, ultimately, that's about news judgment. It's about lack of judgment. Uh, but I find it befuddling. That some people are acting like this death toll is just normal and accepted and common and just, just another day now. Imagine if one to two thousand Americans were dying a day from terror attacks. Imagine the president's response. All right, that's where we start. That's how I'm feeling. I'd love to know how you're feeling in the midst of a crisis the size of which we've never seen. The data is important. The numbers are important. Numbers are important. We need your DNA. I'm recapping this, okay? The death toll isn't something to just be uh, downplayed. It's not something we can hide from, even if it is gut-wrenching to hear about every day. Gut-wrenching. That's all you got, dude. Like, who buys advertisement on CNN? You know, they're not worthy of our money. It's like New Orleans floods every day. Right. So it's like Katrina is smacking us every day. Same thing, right? It's like the planes go into the towers every day. Whoa. 9-11 coronavirus. What? 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 Like, I heard that and I was just like, no, he did not just do this. But then on the other hand, you know, if I was across from this clown, I'd say, wait a minute. So is that a confession? Are you confessing that this was a bioterror weapon against us? Is that your confession? Explain your thought process on how Al Qaeda throwing planes into buildings is the same thing as the Chinese freaking flu. This is CNN, this clown network Man, the avalanche is going to be coming down hard. These people think Americans are stupid. They can't think for themselves. And this guy is telling us it's about news judgment. This guy, 
news judgment, right, that has been lying to us for over three years about a Russian hoax. This clown who has told us that there's 18 reasons why our president is Russian, right? He's a Russian agent. This clown that said that Michael Avenatti would make a great president. What? He's going to educate us? Like, guys, seriously, who is still spending money on that channel? Who? Tell him to spend it with Tori Sess, not to spend it on CNN. Like, seriously, who is paying for those advertising spots? Drives me insane. So now I want to go to a clip from 2017. And I want you to listen to Trey Gowdy. Take a listen. Security Secretary Jay Johnson becoming the latest top intelligence official to reject the idea that there was some grand scheme between associates of President Trump and the Russians to tip the election. Watch this exchange. At the time you separated from service in January of 2017, you have seen no evidence that the Russians were successful at changing uh, voter tallies or voter totals. Correct. Had you seen any evidence that uh, Donald Trump or any member of his campaign colluded, conspired, or coordinated with the Russians or anyone else uh, to infiltrate or impact our uh, voter infrastructure? Um, not beyond uh, what has been out there open source. So Jay Johnson also expressed his displeasure with the DNC after he said they refused to turn their servers over after they were hacked. I, I recall very clearly that I was not pleased that we were not in there uh, helping them patch this vulnerability. Hold on. Let me tell you something about that vulnerability. So, you know, I, I, I'm... I'm targeting this U.S. attorney of North Dakota that has very foul mouth and who thinks that, you know, he's creating a brand with the hashtag bird on nation. This idiot, right, actually sat on TV and said that if the FBI comes and they ask for your server, it's courtesy for you to just image it and hand it over. So next time the FBI wants to raid any of you, tell them former U.S. attorney Perdon, who was part of the Eric Holder's National Attorney General Association, the one that screwed over Native Americans, the one that was part of the 700 former federal prosecutors, that clown, who resigned within days of the South Dakota U.S. attorney resigning, both of them, so they were fired right and then join the same law firm to continue their corruption he said we don't have to give you our computers we have a right to privacy so we're just going to give you an image i'm going to take a hard drive i'm going to copy all my cat photos and give it to you and say that's all i got what are you going to say nope i get to friend you didn't forensically examine theirs you're not forensically examining mine how's that i mean he said that it's normal and it's okay so here we are Let's revisit this. This is from June 2017, okay? DHS does not have the power to issue a search warrant or get a search warrant and go in and patch their vulnerabilities over their objections. Weird, right? Raising the question, 
what was in there that they perhaps didn't want authorities to see. Why wouldn't they turn over those servers to get some help here now? Hey, before we get to that, let me tell you what was in there. So there, there were contracts, agreements, what we call memorandums of understandings between agencies, but they're like these treaty-esque understandings that government officials within our nation have with other government officials. There's um, transactions, uh, private uh, communications with leaders, uh, plans, uh, money, uh, pictures, uh, videos. I mean, you know, like I said, I had portions of the DNC. So, <laughs> you know, that's what was in there and they didn't want anybody to have it. So what? Now a man behind many of those questions today, House Intelligence Committee member, Congressman Trey Gowdy. Congressman, good evening. Good to have you with us as always. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. So what struck you most about your conversation with Jay Johnson today? Uh, a couple of things. He's in a unique position to answer one of those four tranches. Martha, again, remember, we're looking at what did Russia do with whom, if anyone, did they do it? what was the government's response in 2016 and he was the secretary of dhs at all relevant times so i was really interested in what the obama administration knew and when and what efforts they took to thwart the russians or to notify potential victims you just played a clip where we had a victim the dnc and not only did they not cooperate with jay johnson they didn't turn the server over to the fbi so I think it's a little ironic to now criticize, as some Democrats are, Jay Johnson and Jim Comey and others for not doing enough in 2016 when you had a really good piece of evidence you didn't bother to turn over. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's really a head-scratcher when you take a look at it from that perspective and you put yourself back there during the election and you remember the emails that were leaked, very embarrassing for John Podesta, Neera Tandon, a number of people, and that was the main thing that Democrats pegged their election loss on. They said, look, because these emails were released, they called the Russian hacking, which is apparently where it came from. But you have to remember the content of it. It was embarrassing emails that came out. So at that same time, they were asked by the FBI and by DHS, give us your servers. Let's figure out who's getting into them and how. Why would they say no? Why would they not want to cooperate with that investigation? Oh, well, let me hazard a wild guess that there may be something else on that server they didn't want law enforcement to see. I mean, that, that's that's where you start. I, I don't like speculating, but, but but I have dealt in the past with victims who would not cooperate with investigations. And typically the reason is there's something else you don't want law enforcement to see. There is no reason to not allow DHS to to patch or fix a vulnerability in the DNC system. And Evans knows there's no reason to not give the world's premier law enforcement agency, which is the FBI, yeah. the evidence they may need to stop another attack from, from, from hurting someone else. Yeah, well, I mean, it could be that the words email server were somewhat toxic at that moment, if everyone remembers the political environment that was going on and Hillary Clinton's email server was all the talk at that point. Um, so maybe, you know, the idea that someone wanted their server made them proprietary over that server. I want to get you into something else before we, we run out of time, and that's Loretta Lynch, because we've now learned that based on Jim Comey... Wait, before we continue, did you hear the, the, the excuse that they gave for Hillary Clinton? Oh, yeah, you know, and the DNC. Well, maybe there was, like, proprietary stuff, so, you know, we got to take a step back and think about that. Now let's move on to Loretta Lynch. His testimony 
uh, he opened sort of, you know, a new Pandora's box of her influence on the investigation into Hillary Clinton's email server. What do you want to question her about, and what, what's the process with regards to her now? Well, Martha, I don't, I don't know that, that House Intel would be the proper venue for those questions to take place. It may be House or Senate Judiciary. I, I am always interested when any person we hire to work for that blindfolded woman holding a set of scales, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat, does anything to put his or her finger on the scale. And if it is accurate that she asked Director Comey and others to refer to the investigation as a matter and not an investigation, that is the attorney general putting her finger on the scale yeah. and doing so for political reasons. And that's what undercuts your viewers' confidence in the justice system. So James Comey said that that made him queasy and that he felt that she might have a conflict of interest. And that's why he took over the investigation. Would you want him to come back and testify more on that? Um, I would now, in, in fairness to Director Comey, um, he has been before House Intel in a closed-door setting, and he did extrapolate more on that and other reasons, frankly, yeah. that he appropriated the decision to himself. Uh, but to the extent that my Democrat friends want all of this aired in public, even some of it which maybe shouldn't be aired in public for classification reasons, I would love to hear her explanation of why she wanted to call an investigation a matter I did it for two decades. We never referred to it as matter. So I classification reasons, whatever, whatever. So here's Gowdy talking about how Obama would be relevant as an impeachment witness. Just take a listen to this. News contributor, a friend, former South Carolina congressman, guy, prosecutor, never lost a case, Trey Gowdy. By the way, it's the, it's the second anniversary today. I've got to say congratulations to quid pro quo Joe. Second anniversary of him admitting that he leveraged and shook down the country of Ukraine with a billion taxpayer dollars to get a prosecutor. He knew investigating his son in Ukraine fired for paying his son zero experience hunter millions of dollars. I would say there's your quid pro quo, congressman. Well, that certainly makes him relevant as a witness. Um, it, it, part of impeachment is setting a precedent for what's going to happen in the future. So if the vice president can make that assertion, um, then he is relevant as a witness. But so, too, is President Obama, because I would want to know whether or not he had the authority of the president at the time he made that that pronouncement that there'll be no loan guarantees unless the prosecutor is fired. So every time that clip plays of Joe Biden, I just think of more reasons that he is relevant as a witness if the Senate wants to go that route. Well, that is a point very few people made. I talked about it on radio again today. I brought it up before. You don't believe me? You're not getting the billion. Call Obama. He'll tell you. Was Obama in on this shakedown? Well, anytime you hear the word unprecedented, what makes me it, it, that makes me wonder, well, does that mean no other president's done it? But if this is really, you know, Adam Schiff loves to say this is an unprecedented abuse of power. OK, well, that makes what other presidents did relevant. In addition to the credibility of the assertion, it makes it relevant. So if President Obama gave Joe Biden permission to uh, to condition loan guarantees on the firing of a prosecutor, 
um, then that makes both of them potentially relevant as witnesses. Do you agree with my constitutional interpretation that if the House has the sole power to impeach and they've impeached the president, and they didn't bother to call witnesses, that it's not the Senate's job. Their job is to hold the trial. Now they have their House managers dressed up. They get to make their case and they're repeating themselves and they're even going back to the Mueller report. Then they're playing, you know, their opinion witnesses that wanted to impeach Trump for tweeting the words fake news. Is it the Senate's job? to bring in witnesses they decided not even to subpoena? Because I don't believe constitutionally it is. No, it's the House's job to investigate it, and these investigations take a long time. I mean, this is about the removal of a, of a duly elected chief executive, and they wanted to do it in three months. As you and I have discussed in the past, Sean, it's really about putting a handful of Republican senators in really tough reelects. Um, you also can't call a witness you know is going to invoke privilege. So if you know John Bolton is going to invoke privilege or it's going to be invoked, then you That's can't the call him to then say that. So here they are discussing this impeachment as if it's going to go, as if it's going to happen. Right. So if you remember in the first half hour, we talked about, uh, you know, I played the videos where, uh, you know, uh, they were all talking about, uh, you know, how the president is this and that. You heard Lindsey Graham. You heard Ted Cruz. You heard Gowdy. Here's Gowdy again from Maria Baratoma this weekend. Listen, this is the criminal case against former National Security Advisor General Michael Flynn. But the judge presiding over Flynn's case for more than two years still has the final say. Could he refuse to let it go? Sidney Powell, Flynn's attorney, joined me earlier, saying she's expecting him to sign off on this tomorrow. Trey Gowdy, former congressman and Fox News contributor, has a new podcast out, and it is wildly successful. It is a podcast on Fox News Radio that you can download at foxnewspodcast.com. And he joins me right now to talk more about this case. And I want to talk with you about this, Trey, because you were one of the key congressmen at the time to really zero in on what took place here in your behind-closed-doors uh, testimonies, your reaction to all that has taken place as, this weekend, former President Obama Obama is saying that this is a break in the rule of law. He is throwing cold water on this exoneration, sir. I, I find that an amazing statement from President Obama. I, where is his respect for the rule of law for the crime that Michael Flynn was the victim of? R remember, he was unmasked by somebody in Obama's administration, and then it was leaked, which is a 10-year felony, Maria. That is a 10-year felony to disseminate classified information. Michael Flynn was the victim of that crime. Br President Obama himself pardoned people for making false statements to the government. Uh, he picked Michael Horowitz. That was an Obama pick. Michael Horowitz found fault after fault after fault with the Pfizer program and Jim Comey and Andy McCabe. So I am delighted to hear of President Obama's newfound interest in respect for the rule of law. I just wish he would apply it equally to Republicans and Democrats. Well, there's also the abuse around the FISA situation, right? We already know from the DOJ that two out of the four wiretap warrants were unlawful. I'm going to stick my neck out and say all four were. Yeah, I mean, two two of the four were completely unpredicated. Keeping in mind, it's a really low threshold to, to, to have predication. They couldn't even meet meet that. So back to President Obama, your FBI director, the FBI used a dossier that was bought and paid for by your political party without vetting a single factual allegation in that dossier. You put it in front of a federal judge. Where is your concern for respect for the rule of law? 
uh, as it relates to Carter Page and, wh- and what happened to him. Michael Flynn, let me Terrible. say this about the judge. Uh, you know, the judge can sit there and not know whether or not he's going to grant that motion to dismiss. Good luck prosecuting the case, judge. I mean, you got to have a prosecutor to prosecute the case. So if the DOJ is not moving forward on Michael Flynn, I don't think the judge is going to do it himself. So that's what he's saying. Is he out? I would dare Ellis to try this case. I would dare him like nobody's business to try this case. That's the thing. Mm, You know, and... Listen to Obama again. Here's how Fox broke it down. Former staffers, former President Obama slammed the DOJ's decision to drop the Flynn case, saying the rule of law is now at risk. Flynn had pleaded guilty, of course, to providing a false statement to the FBI regarding his contacts with the Russian ambassador. But he tried to withdraw his plea and raise sharp questions about the agency's tactics. Flynn's attorney now claims new documents prove top officials tried to set her client up. So the whole thing was orchestrated and set up within the FBI, Clapper, Brennan, and in the Oval Office meeting that day with President Obama. So you think this goes all the way up to the top to President Obama? Absolutely. Griff Jenkins is live in Washington with more as we await uh, for uh, any moment now that possible sign-off by the federal judge. Good morning, Griff. Hey, Ed, good morning. Yeah, Flynn's attorney making those claims there after former President Obama is blasting Barr's decision to drop the case. He misstated the charges against Flynn as perjury, but he says there's no precedent for it. What? This is insane. L- listen to it. That's the kind of stuff where you, you begin to uh, get worried that basic, not just institutional norms, but... Uh, our basic understanding of, of rule of law. I can't. I just can't. And these people are letting him say this stuff, like seriously. Okay, guys, I'll see you all in just a bit, right after this short break. We have so much to talk about. We have the GOP, we, uh, Cuomo, I mean, geez, North Dakota, the spanking at the White House. See you in a bit. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. So instead of just jumping into the news, I wanted to kind of, you know, say a few things to my listeners and those that are catching me on the airwaves in their car. I get tons and tons of messages from people asking, are you XYZ? Are you... ABC, are you PQR? Are you listen? There are so many people out there that are just average people, people that you don't notice, people that have been doing this since 1999. That have a main focus in 
one thing and one thing only, and that is to reinstate, because we don't have it in place, reinstate what that rebel, what that rebel George Washington did in 1776. Reinstate that. Because this is the time that everything is on the table. Why the ins- why do you need to know who's doing what, who's this? You don't need to know. What you need to know, it's working. You're being heard. Your voice is cutting through that fabric that Comey and his cronies and Obama and his cronies that all of them wove together to keep you in this echo chamber. And leading that pack, almost bending over and saying, come here, come up here come here, come up here to come and cut through the noise is president Trump. So just, I'm not saying take a back seat. I'm saying, speak up. I'm saying be loud. I'm saying share, 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 because we are now the news. So it doesn't matter who or what messenger doesn't matter, right? Because you'll be very surprised when you find out who all of these messengers are, if you ever find out. Because like I said, I was a time traveler, and I was a time traveler in 2000 and 2001 on the internet. See, things happen for a reason. You test it 20 years ago to see how it's going to work later. I mean, you know, I have an advantage, right? I can see the future. (laughs) So it's not really fair, right? But I do do a lot of work just like all of you do, to get it together. So um, I thought this hour I could start off with um, what I discovered about Ronna McDaniel (laughs) without saying something wrong. (laughs) And I say this uh, because it took the breath of life out. Like I had no life left in me after I put that article together because I had to be so careful. So... For some reason, and I'm not going to say why, I discovered on the back end of the internet, on the onion type level on the internet, which is not my domain, Jacob Applebaum roams that area, right? I see this weird email and it's like a paper trail in the data stream. There's an information river and I'm like, wait a minute, Why can I see this email? Why is everybody that's over here standing here looking at this email? It's almost as if it's on audible and everyone's listening to someone reading this email. I'm like, this isn't right. So I follow that up the stream. I'm like, let me see where it goes. And lo and behold, it was a communication channel between the Republican Congressional Committee and the Republican National Committee. And it was from a guy named Emmers. And, you know, like, wait a minute, Emmers, that's a congressman. But why is he sending emails from the Republican Congressional Committee? And so I go to the Republican Congressional Committee's website. And I'm like, who's this Emmers dude sending emails from there? And I'm like, everybody could, right? So I'm looking and looking and I don't see any update from like 2018. I'm like, what's going on here? Like, who's, who's the chair of the Republican congressional committee? Like, I don't see it. No, nothing on their page, nothing. So I Google, like trying to find out, well, not Google, you know, I use Tor. I mean, maybe I'm partial because it sounds like me, right? Tor, right. So, um, 
I get on there, I start to search and I'm like, I don't see anything. Boom. There he is. Oh, oh dear. He is the chairman of the Republican congressional. Well, that's not good. So I'm like, well, let me go back, trace my steps in the information highway and take a look at when did this email or code fall in here? So I'm looking at it and I'm like, that's funny. That looks like another website. It looks like a twinning site, twin, 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 twinning, twinning. And I'm like, oh, so it's not him sending the email to where it was going. It was another website that was pretend sending the email because as a ghost. So basically he sent the email to the RNC, but it went through another website that took that email, read it, copied it, duplicated, God knows what they did with it. And then they sent it off to the RNC. And I'm like, that's funny. That's usually called what? Oh, that's called hacking (laughs) or gatekeeping, right? Or piggybacking, you know, like we have Google right now, piggybacking hard wires underwater in the Pacific and we're sitting on our tushes, you know, that kind of piggybacking or the kind of stuff that Snowden did. Yeah, he whistle blew and leaked, but he was deployed by Barack Hussein Obama to do exactly that, to put code into the NSA so he can twin the data. Meaning if I send an email to the NSA director, they get a copy of that email. It's like it clones it. Okay. I'm trying to simplify it. So anyway, I'm looking at this and I'm like, what's going on? So I start to look at the web page and I go to the back of the page and it's like, oh, you've just entered the territory of the Tableau server. And I'm like, wait a minute, Tableau, wait, uh, hold on. Alarm bells went off and I'm like, wait a minute. Isn't that the one that Google uses overseas? Wait a minute. Isn't that the one that kind of chimmy, biggie, 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 piggy packs against CrowdStrike? Wait a minute. Wait, is this a portal to CrowdStrike? Stop. And I'm like, well, why is it Tableau? Let me go on the front facing internet and see what this code is telling me because I'm a little bit confused. So I go in and I type the website and there you go on my tab and I put it in the article clearly shows the Tableau server logo and then it says deep root analytics and I'm like, well, hold on a second. Wait a minute. Deep root analytics was canned by the GOP because they were hacked in 20, right? Years ago, supposedly, right? They weren't hacked. It was mirrored. And so since they were hacked and then hacked again, they got sacked. Now, a little bit about Deep Root. So this guy, right, this guy that's a co-founder of it is like super duper buddies with Mitt Romney, okay? And so they're like super stuck together like glue. And what's weird is, is that um, this guy that had, that's the co-founder of this company was the reason why, you know, they were hired. So I'm like, okay, this is a little bit awkward right now because why is Ronna McDaniel, who obviously is the niece of Romney, and you're like, what are you doing, President Trump, kick her on, on the street? Why are we letting them in here? It's like, you know, people shouldn't pay for the sins of their family, and we should give them a chance. Well, here's a super weird thing that's going on. So 
Ian Pryor, who's a spokesperson and a lawyer, and I don't know what he is, he used to be the PR guy for the Justice Department, you know, still works for them in some capacity, super weird. Anyway, they all come out to, to put this article together saying, oh, look, you know, Deep Group Analytics, yeah, was hacked, but that's like in the past, you know, now, you know, this company has done an overhaul of all their staffers and we've got them checked 100% and we are on board. Rah! So <laughs> the GOP threw money at uh, Lundry, right? They just threw money at Lundry. Remember that hack, right? Well, not the, not the mirroring of the server, but the other hack that happened with the DC, with the, with the R and with the Republican national congressional committee, 60%, that's six zero, right? We're talking hundreds of millions of people's private identifying information were released into the ether. Wait, see, released into the ether. Released into the ether. Mm? Released into the ether. What does that mean? That 60% of the U.S. population's name, address, and date of birth, and some, maybe even social security number, credit card numbers, whatever they had, were taken. Now, why is this important? Because, see, mail-in ballots, what do they rely on? Your name and address, right? So they can identify you. So what if they just fill out those ballots and send them for you before you can send yours because they know where you live, know where your address is, and they fall done. Elections stolen. So they did all that because the Amazon cloud server, going back to Amazon, right? Hey, Bezos. Um, was completely wide open. So now I see on the back end just a gaping hole for anybody to enter and capture communications and data, which I did not enter, by the way, for the record. That's why I went to the front-facing site so I can translate it into a regular HTML link, you know, so that way I can go to the front and see what it's like. I'm like, stop, stop. So I'm looking at it, and I'm like, this is not happening. This is, this is really not happening. We're being punked. It's not, well, it is guys. It's, it's not only happening. It's just crazy because one thing I've, um, I do know is how sleepers or random people that work for people like Brennan operate. They're very well educated, usually in one, one to two topics. They'll, some of them actually go to school. Some don't like I've been to so many colleges, um, and that's because, you know, I have to like go in as a student, I guess. I mean, I don't want to say too much on that. But anyway, um, so we have this guy who's the head of IT engineering for this company that has in its possession all this data, right? And it's supposed to protect it. This guy has years in philosophy and law, went to law school, right? Got his JD clerked for the Supreme Court, was an associate's attorney at Price Benowitz. Uh, he had a law office of Max Farrago, his own, that is. He worked for himself for a year. Worked for McAdoo Gordon. Uh, he worked for the Public Defender Service. And those are like summertime gigs that you do in college, right, when you're in law school. So he did that law clerking in D.C. at the Public Defender's Office. And then he was a judicial um, uh, intern for extern, they call it, for the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court in New Mexico. So this is the guy. 
but he's the VP of IT engineering. Hear me out. So I'm like, hold on a second. All right. So you got a law degree. Maybe you're like a coder on the side, right? Whatever. So you've got to have some certificate, something like on the side to say like, yo, this is what I did. Or you could just be a nerd like me and you just learn on your own and you're like, yeah. But in order to get a position like that, right? No one says, oh, here's a test. Do it. They know your work. So the question is, how the heck did they know his work? How is he suitable to take over the whole IT department? Here's where it gets really pear-shaped. So he goes to this six-month tech boot, class, boot camp class, which, hear this, <laughs> New York, L.A., and Chicago are the only places where you could go. And the majority of their students from international students that come in, or guess what, Chinese and Qatari, they offer, they're the only certification school that offer M, as in mother, one student visas. That means I come in, I have a lot of money, I have to pay my way, I could prove I have money, and then you give me a visa. You guys will approve that. Oh, yeah, that's right. John Kerry and Brennan, right? So they're the only one in the nation that could do that, first of all. So the guy goes to the six-month boot camp, camp class, and then guess what his first job is, right? He works for... The show, The Apprentice, where President Trump was. So the season two winner, that dude, has his own tech company called Precise Target, which mines data of consumers and then like does stuff with it. Well, this guy worked there for like a year, two years max. And then suddenly he's VP of engineering. Okay. So this is what that tells me. He went there to infiltrate and obviously there may be a communication or maybe some relationship between President Trump and himself. That guy actually donated to Pompeo's campaign and uh, the Republican, but never said anything on the record about President Trump, never donated on the record about President Trump, anything. So this senior data engineer that runs the whole division is called Max Farrago. And you know what? He's one of John Brennan's protégés. So here we are, an intelligence community asset working there, which is so weird. That's why I put out that poll online on Twitter. And I was like, all right, serious question. If you were hiring your cybersecurity firm for your cybersecurity firm, what degree would you like to have your head of engineering to have, right? So I, the options were information tech degree, law degree, medical degree, masters of fine arts, right? So I should have made it clear uh, you know, head of IT engineering, but still overwhelming 82.7% said information tech degree, 11% said law degree, but you know, the numbers were small. I only had 533 people vote cause I didn't wait for it to finish. Cause I just wanted to get the article out. So Rhonda McDaniels is the one that signed these people back up. Rhonda McDaniels actually knows what's up. They all know what's up. All of them know what's up. They are literally setting it up. And I'm going to tell you, there were two scenarios I see here. One is like, oh my gosh, we got hacked and it's like so bad. And then they have all this identifying information. Oh, I'm such a sucker. Then she gets fired and she's like, whoops. But she covered her tush and did what she needed for them. The other one is that we have like a Lee Harvey Oswald situation again, because think we have the Republican convention coming up. There's vendors, there's staffers, there's caterers, there's governors, there's, you know, senators, there's congressmen, there's media, there's everything. And all those communications are 
all going through that server. So this way they can pinpoint who's where at what time, where can they slot in someone in like catering or whatever to be in a good position to do whatever they want them to do. Like this is going to cost us a fortune, Rana. We're going to have to go through every single person. You know what? We should just cancel the Republican convention and maybe postpone it, change the the, the, the area. Because where is the SSII, as said by NACI, right? This is how we, you know, check and do background checks on vendors to make sure that they are good eggs. So when you see a guy like this, that, you know, within two years, is now heading a division that has an account this big, you have to cock your, set, your head and say, well, hold on a second, that don't make sense, right? That's how you're supposed to do it. Like logical people will be like, look, buddy, I'm not saying that you don't have coding skills, but I'm going to put someone on top of you and you guys can work together because I heard from so-and-so that you're super good. So I'll just, you know, kind of put it together like that. You know, that's, that's, that's kind of how you would work it, right? I mean, that's how I would work it. You know, if someone tells me, yo, this guy's good, but he doesn't have the creds and it's a company of mine, I'll be like, yo, does he say you're good? But, you know, I can't make you the head of the department. But what I could do is I can have you work with the head of the department and let's see, you could build yourself up. But having said that, look at the CEO of Deep Root Analytics, huh? Bush Crone. So here we are, swampers, got the swamp in there and there, there, there. And they're doing their thing. In the meantime, all of us are busy Oh, this, listen, guys, we don't even have to worry about General Flynn. It's done. Okay. There's nothing going on there. Finished. It's done. It's over. Finito. But we all like to hear about it. So let's take a listen to Maria Baratomo's piece on, um, you know, let's listen to Sydney. The news of the DOJ dismissing the charges against him by tweeting the words, Justice for all, with a video of his grandson reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. But the federal judge overseeing the case still has to sign off on this. Joining me right now is uh, General Flynn's lead attorney, Sidney Powell. Sidney, it is great to see you. Congratulations to you. You've worked hard on this. Uh, how are, uh, let me ask you to start off. How is General Flynn doing? What is his reaction this morning? His reaction at first was one of disbelief and, and relief at the same time. It's going to take a while to process it. He's obviously very grateful to the Attorney General and Mr. Jensen for having the integrity to dig for the truth and to get it out for the American people to see. And he is looking forward to spending time with his family. I'm sure he'll have a statement to make sometime in the near future. Sydney, this is obviously a big step toward justice, and uh, our viewers heard this here first. We knew this was coming, but Judge Sullivan still has to sign off on this, Sydney. She's, he's got to sign off on the motion. When are you expecting that to happen? I would expect it to happen tomorrow or sometime early this week. It's a matter of, of the prosecutor's actual discretion. Judge Sullivan, according to a couple of Supreme Court decisions, um, I'm sure he will follow the law there and, and sign off on it. Now, I know that uh, there were a few things that we learned in these transcripts that were released as well. And in terms of the way they violated General Flynn's uh, rights, they did not mention the 1001. Tell me about Section 1001 and why that's important, Sydney. Well, it's the statute that makes it a federal felony to lie to agents. These agents specifically schemed and planned with each other how to not 
tip him off that he was even the person being investigated. In fact, according to Comey's testimony that's attached to the exhibits they filed in the motion to dismiss, they just simply said, you know, we'd like to send a couple of agents by to talk to you. And of course, General Flynn said, sure. And he saw them as allies. They encouraged him to stay that way. They deliberately did not tell him about 1001 because they didn't want to trigger the slightest suspicion in his mind that he was being investigated or should be concerned about anything. So they kept him relaxed and unguarded deliberately as part of their effort to set him up and frame him. We do have the agent's raw notes, but we do not have the original 302. And we now know from additional text messages produced that there were substantial alterations to the 302s. We have some of those changes between February 10th and 11th, and those are attached as exhibits to one of our briefs that are available on my website. So, you know, Sydney, I want you to walk through this timeline for us because they also violated White House protocol by ambushing him. And we know that we've played that soundbite of of Jim Comey saying, oh, it was chaotic. I just sent a few agents over there and just figured it would be better to do it that way. So let's go through the the, the General Flynn crossfire razor timeline. And that begins on August 15th when Peter Strzok, then FBI agent, sent to his girlfriend, a text saying um, to, to the to the extent saying something like, well, I, I wish I could believe what you said in Andy's office, but we need an insurance policy uh, that was discussed in McCabe's office. The following day on August 16th, they open a crossfire razor probe into General Flynn. And then on August 17th, FBI agents were sent to a presidential briefing for nominee Trump. Uh, they did so. Why? You think they just were trying to assess General Flynn to try to get something on him then as well in that briefing? Oh, that's what one of the agents testified to, to the inspector general. It's in his report that came out in December. They were specifically or he was specifically sent into that briefing to assess and gauge General Flynn's mannerisms to collect what information he could because General Flynn was there to notice his reaction to any mention of Russia. And that was done all expressly in case they needed to interview him later, i.e. if Trump was elected and General Flynn was put in the White House. Unbelievable. So fast the- forward to January. Fast forward to January 2017, Sydney, because this morning President Obama is out trashing this exoneration. <laughs> He's basically saying that the rule of law is, is, is being lost and that there's no precedent for all of this. So we go to January 2017 and February 2017. The morning of January 4th, the FBI drafts a document to close the Flynn probe, uh, Crossfire Razor. They wanted to close it. They had nothing, so they want to close it. So the next day, on January, later that afternoon, Peter Strzok texts, uh, don't close the razor yet. And the seventh floor is involved. And then there's a meeting in President Obama's uh, Oval Office. Talk to us about that, Sydney, because Sal Yates was there. Jim Comey was there. John Brennan was there. James Clapper was there briefing President Obama in the Oval Office on the Russia probe. Joe Biden and Susan Rice were there as well. This was January 5th, 2017. Walk us through it. Exactly. Well, the day before, Comey had found and McCabe had found the transcripts of Flynn's call with Kislyak, and he briefed Clapper on it immediately. Clapper then immediately went and briefed President Obama on it. Then they have the Oval Office meeting on the 5th. Comey admits in his testimony that the FBI are the people that unmasked General Flynn, our people, whatever that means, 
And at the meeting on the 5th, Sally Yates was stunned because Obama mentions to her out of the blue about the call and the transcript of the call. She knew nothing about it because Comey hadn't briefed DOJ. Yes. Yes. Yep. So Mm -hmm. so then they dispatched Comey the very next morning to brief President Trump only on the salacious aspects of the dossier on January 6th to set the news hook for BuzzFeed and CNN to run with the dossier they knew was a lie. Wait, I'm going to stop right there. So I'm going to fill you in on this. So it was at that point during that meeting that they actually got counsel from the Supreme Court. The, the, the Supreme Court of the United States of America, Roberts, Bader Ginsburg, all of them, advising them if they can actually delay or stall uh, the inauguration or possibly annul it. So what they wanted to do was drum it up because they met again and they got guidance again later on, you know, and this is important, right? This is very, very, very important, Because RBG and Roberts are going to come into the scheme here because they had to get legal advice on because there's no precedent of delaying any election. And if you remember around that time, he was like, maybe I'll stay on for a third term because it looks like he's Russian. Remember that narrative? Come on, guys. Don't forget. We have short memories. Remember that. Then Peter Strzok is watching CNN report on that and text about he and Priestap sitting there watching it and using it as a pretext to go interview some people. So the whole thing was orchestrated. You mean circular reporting set up within the FBI, Clapper, Brennan and in the Oval Office meeting that day with President Obama. So you think this goes all the way up to the top to President Obama? Absolutely. Of course. Impeach 44, well, you who's guys. Who's going to be charged? <laughs> Impeach 44. I have no idea. That's up to John Durham okay. and uh, Attorney General Senior, Barr. We got it. We got it. Uh, Impeach 44, you guys. There we go. This is Impeach 44. This is where it all comes down to it. And after this short break, we're going to hear what Lindsey Graham has to say. He calls it, what does he call it? political accountability for the Russia probe. What about the millions of taxpayer dollars that were, that were spent on this scam? That's yours, mine, your mother's, your father's, your sister's, your child's, your grandchild's hardworking dollars that they spent. See you in a bit. All right. Welcome back, everyone, uh, to the Tory Says Show. So now we're going to delve into um, two things. We're going to listen to Graham and how um, he is saying something political accountability that doesn't sound like jail. Take a listen. Discuss my open and the deep state cover up is none other than our friend, Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Lindsey Graham. <laughs> All right, Senator, thanks for being here. We learned some incredibly damaging information this week. I'll start where I ended off in that mm-hmm. open, yeah. and that is you had the uh, Director of National Intelligence, Clapper, going on television saying that Trump was a Putin puppet, a Russian asset, under oath, saying he had no evidence of that. Right. Susan Rice saying the same thing, and yet when she was placed under evidence, she said she had no intelligence pointing to that. Samantha Power also out there trashing the president, but under oath saying they had no evidence. What sanction, what is it that you as chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee intend to do to these people? 
Well, I think the biggest news is they decided to drop the case against General Flynn. So I want to have an oversight hearing uh, to find out why the Justice Department now believes that General Flynn was unfairly prosecuted, try to figure out why this system failed General Flynn and the country, how it got off the rails. So I'm going to offer General Flynn a chance to come before the country and explain what his life has been like. I'm going to have the DOJ come before the country and explain why they thought General Flynn's prosecution was wrong. I'm going to call Sally Yates and Clapper to talk about their role in all this. I'm going to invite Schiff to come to the Senate. I can't make him come, but to explain his Senator, side of the well, story. Sen- Hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, how many I'm going to, has he? He said for the past three years, I'm gonna. Senator, Tell I don't mean to interrupt you. I don't mean to interrupt you. The American people are furious. Yeah. If you have a hearing, what mm-hmm. sanction can you use? What can be done to this? Well, you know, Durham's looking at criminality. What I can do is uh, have political accountability. I can, I can let uh, General Flynn talk about what his life's been like. I can give the Department of Justice a chance to explain why the case was dismissed so everybody in the country can understand what happened. You know, Barack Obama said dismissing the Flynn case uh, compromises the rule of law. President Obama, you know what compromised the rule of law? Hiding evidence from a court altering emails, trying to manufacture a crime versus investigating a crime. So my job is to bring oversight to the table, uh, political accountability. Durham's job is to put people in jail who but, broke the law. But we're going to start with a plan. He's a prosecutor. But 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 in terms of political accountability, the guy who's got to be made accountable is Adam Schiff. And you can't even force him to testify. And number two, in terms of uh, Bill Barr, the attorney general, he mm-hmm. actually submitted papers that I spent the whole day reading as to why they dismissed the charges right. based upon these recently disclosed FBI notes. It's all there. Anybody needs to read it. The American people are tired of this. Would you agree with me, Senator, that this whole issue of Russia collusion was something that was drummed up in the in in the in the highest echelons of the Obama administration, that Obama was in on it. Obama knew what was going on. He knew about it from the counterintelligence, and he knew about it between yeah. that meeting with Yates and Comey. Well, I think Horowitz has told us that the Carter Page warrant uh, was illegally obtained. I think we now know that they withheld information from the court. They doctored emails to make Carter Page look guilty when he's not. What do we know about General Flynn? Right. The goal was to, to get him to lie or get fired. So what do I bring to the table? I give people a chance to talk right. and speak, not behind closed doors, but out in the open. I want somebody from the Department of Justice to explain why this was a bad prosecution. I want to give General Flynn a chance, if he wants it, to tell the country what life, life has been like under this system. And I want to call Sally Yates and ask her a lot of questions about the conversation with Barack Obama. I intend to do that. Okay. Okay, well, let me ask you this. I assume uh, that you have been uh, uh, talking to Bill Barr, the attorney general, uh, at the very least to discuss, because I would as a prosecutor. Am I going to go forward with my evidence, my case, testimony under oath, or am I going to let the feds go first? Talk to me. Well, so what's going to happen here is I don't want to get in Durham's way. You make a good point, Judge. What I'm trying to do is the Flynn case is over. At least I hope it will be over by the first week in June. 
So I can tell you tonight that we're going to have our first hearing the first week in June. It's about the Flynn case, how it got so off the rails, how they manufactured crime rather than investigating a crime. We're going to ask people questions. The, the real professional FBI agents on January the 4th said there's no evidence that Flynn uh, has been involved with the Russians. But this is when Strzok Absolutely. says, well, the people on the seventh floor want to keep it going. So don't you want to hear all that? Don't you right. want to hear from Sally Yates? Don't you want her under oath and Clapper so we can talk about that meeting? And No, because they're professional liars. Okay. So check this out. So he wants to have a hearing so we could all just talk about it. First of all, let's rewind. Mueller was appointed, right? Who approved the budget for Mueller? All of these idiots did, didn't they? Who approved it? All of these clowns. Didn't they see what they had? But yet Mueller was going. He just kept on going. And they kept on spending our money to people that weren't even in this country. How do you feel knowing that a company that wasn't even within the United States border, a contractor, took your money to screw your country? Tell me how you feel about it because I'm PO'd. I'm furious. Yes. Outside of the United States, they took it. Outside of the United States, under the purview of the crown, so that they can investigate. Yes, that is exactly what the Mueller team did. And not only that, this clown and a bunch of others approved the money. Said Mueller, 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 Mueller. Now he's like, oh, June 1st, we're just going to call him and ask him questions. You already asked him questions. So stop. You already ask him questions and you hid it from us. Stop, stop, stop. By the way, Lindsey Graham looks different, doesn't he? The Oval Office. Durham can't do that kind of stuff. I but can't. Senator, Don't you can want to hear you? about the I, Carter I, Page I agree warrant? with you. Yeah, but Senator, don't you understand how frustrated the American people are? We had the Benghazi hearings. We know that they lied about that mm-hmm. Russia collusion, delusion, and the hoax. People are are are, mm-hmm. are losing faith right. in the system. We've got to we've got to make sure that people start going to jail. Jim Comey, do you have jurisdiction to subpoena him? Does he have to come? He's not working for the government anymore. Uh yeah, well, why certainly. I think he's the one of the last people you want to talk to. I want to build a build a file before I talk to him. But the one thing we are is we're a rule of law nation. Even Jim Comey, if he if he's being investigated by Durham, I can't jump into the middle of his case. Can we have some political accountability with Lindsey Graham, you guys? Seriously, right? How how annoying is this listening to this rubbish? My job right. is oversight right. to explain to the country how the hell this happened. How is it possible that you could have... Because you let it happen. You let it happen. You signed off. You let it happen. You let it happen. You let it happen. That's how it happened. ...where there's no evidence to begin with to make sure it never happens again. Exactly. Senator Lindsey Graham, thanks so much for being with us tonight. We appreciate it. And good luck on that. (laughs) Good luck with that. Now, let's listen to the representative calling for Schiff to resign. They were using their own Russian dirt to ask questions. And it was all fake. It was all phony the whole time. And the press was in on this, too. It's the cover up. And I think that's the, the, the main thing is now you're starting to see the pieces of the cover up that I think are actually more important. That, of course, is Congressman Devin Nunes on the newly released transcript from the House Intel Committee's Russia investigation. Nunes saying the transcripts show the entire inquiry was based on a bogus premise. Republicans now calling out the chairman, Adam Schiff, who repeatedly said he has had seen evidence 
The Trump campaign colluded with the Kremlin to win the 2016 election. New York GOP Congressman Lee Zeldin joins us now. He, of course, serves on the Foreign Affairs and Financial Services Committee. Congressman, good morning. Good morning. Your thoughts on what, if anything, you can do to hold Adam Schiff accountable? Well, Adam Schiff should not be the chair of the House Intelligence Committee. His gavel should be removed. He should be censured. He should resign. There's, there's a lot that uh, should happen, but Nancy Pelosi isn't going to punish Adam Schiff. In fact, uh, that's the reason why he has the gavel in the first place. He's the chair of the House Intelligence Committee, which became the House Impeachment Committee because of the way he uh, writes these fairy tale parodies. Uh, because of the, the Russia investigation, then it became the, the impeachment push. Uh, it's actually one that, that the Democrats reward. It's one that the media rewards. So I'm not going to uh, expect any repercussions, even though he should resign today. Congressman, what about the, this parade of former Obama officials who are on various networks uh, adding to what Adam Schiff said, they said there was collusion. They knew that there was. They were worried about Michael Flynn. They were worried about all these different things. They said that in public. And then they went under oath to the Intelligence Committee. And as you know, now we see these transcripts that show they said something quite differently behind closed doors. They said, no, we never saw evidence of collusion. How did they get away with that? They shouldn't get away with it. And the fact is, right now, as all these transcripts get released, you have other networks uh, that, that aren't giving this the attention that they should after spending years dumbing down their audience with what was a total fraud. Uh, th now they should be correcting the record to let people know what's true and what's not true. But it's it's wholly embarrassing. It just they, they will take down their own network trying to correct three years of stories. So you have uh, people like Clapper, Power, Rice. They all come to testify under oath. And they say that basically the intelligence community doesn't have any evidence mm. that President Trump's campaign colluded with the Russians. Now, you come to Congress and you lie. That's a crime. But in the case of Adam Schiff, if you are a member of Congress, you get away with it. And in the case of these three names that I mentioned, uh, you know, they, they get away with saying on networks uh, what they might be saying. And then under oath yeah. in a closed door skiff, uh, they end, end up contradicting themselves in the entire narrative. A lot of people watch it and think uh, folks in the media who got it wrong, there's no accountability. They, they watch and they see uh, some folks like Adam Schiff, maybe as you noted a moment ago, there's not much you can really do about what he was saying in public. But in terms of the former Obama officials, there is John Durham out there, this independent prosecutor who's looking at all of this and the FISA warrants and, and, and all of that. Here's your colleague, Devin Nunes. We played him a moment ago. Here he is on what John Durham might be looking at. Watch. I think the bigger issue is the conspiracy. Who was doing the spying? Okay, let's just call that spying. Who orchestrated all of this well before July 30th of 2016? That's a key, that's a key date to remember. Who continued the that's spying? Right. Who decided it was okay to run all these people into George Papadopoulos and others? These are all questions that we have outstanding for John Durham. Of that, you now have former President Barack Obama weighing in, as you heard Sandra mention a moment ago. Is it going to lead to the question about what Joe Biden knew as well? He was the vice president. It should. And now Joe Biden wants to become president of the United States. Uh, absolutely. These are relevant questions, regardless of Joe Biden running for president of the United States. Listen, Devin Nunes has been a warrior through this. He has been roasted for years. Uh, he had to recuse himself uh, from this investigation, even though he had more uh, facts and he was ready to tell the American public the truth. 
truth. He was getting run out of town primarily because of that. The Houston Astros have, they've been roasted for that whole sign-stealing scandal. And if you want to draw analogies as to what consequences are right with other aspects of our life and, and, and the way our world works, what should happen here is that Pulitzer Prizes should be revoked. People have made millions off of this. They have a name because of this. Now, it's really important for, for Durham with his investigation for him to actually be delivering accountability and transparency. People don't want uh, to, to just get their hopes up, to rise, to have their expectations rise, and then it be deflated with no one being held accountable mm-hmm. for what happened. We want answers as to who knew what, but we also want to see there be accountability for, yeah. for this, for the going for the FISA uh, warrants, uh, and for what happened with Michael Flynn. Yep. I mean, listen, I remember two years ago, I was on Aaron Burnett's show on CNN, and she was giving me a hard time claiming that Peter Strzok had nothing to do at all with the Russia investigation, the Michael Flynn investigation. Mm. I mean, she's trying to lecture me on it. Let, this is a time for us to be correcting the record, not just with Fox doing your job as you do, and you have done this entire time, but especially these other networks that, that made money off of this dumbing down their audience. Wait. And Peter Strzok, let me tell you, do you know what other FBI investigations he was on? I'm going to tell you something because this is what I'm working on. So I'm going to give you some drop drop here. And it's a drip, drip, drop, drop. So Andrew Beitbart was under FBI investigation before he passed away. Michael Hastings was under FBI investigation before he passed away. And I'm going to tell you, the same agent was on both those cases. You want to guess who? Yeah, that's right. It was Peter Strzok. Well, and the Flynn documents now show Peter Strzok, as you know, which was your point, obviously. It was right in the middle of the Flynn case. Uh, bottom line, we've got less than 30 seconds. We're waiting on what, whether this federal judge is going to agree with the Justice Department and essentially drop the case against Flynn. What's your gut? Is there a chance here the federal judge puts a pause on it and says, hang on, because of the comments from Barack Obama and others? Uh, this judge should be dropping the case. That's justice. That's liberty. That's that's freedom. Uh, on the side of the Department of Justice, it says when law ends, tyranny be- begins. The right thing, and the judge knows what the right thing to do, it's to allow General Michael Flynn to go on with his life. He was my first brigade commander on active duty. I, I was proud to serve with him then. I'll be proud to serve with him again. This case should be dropped. Yes, it should. But will it? That's the question. Will the case be dropped? Will they allow it to drop? Will they push for it? Like, what do you think they're going to do? Because they're going to be holding on for dear life. Now, shifting gears, what is going on in New York? Have they lost their mind? We really need to talk about this. Take a listen to this. Take a listen to this. I'm an American. I've never seen this such, such outrageous behavior before in my life. They're locking up American citizens who are exercising their constitutional right. Where are we? Together. We are in lower Manhattan. This is absurd, but we're on our way to leave. Here are some pictures of what's going on in real time. You are subject to arrest. Subject to arrest. So they're arresting people for um, going out, for protesting, for just standing there. And, you know, when they arrest you, they're going to harvest your DNA. They're going to check you. They're going to see who you are. They're going to know who you are. And you can't hide it. They want to harvest your DNA. So I wanted to say thank you to all my listeners. 
all my listeners, all my followers, you know, we kind of helped North Dakota a little bit because the governor within a week had, uh, you know, from last weekend when we were tweeting out, uh, you know, the whole, uh, you know, DNA harvesting party. And I put out that article about big trouble in little China, which is North Dakota, right? Little China, right? Um, uh, the governor decided that they're not going to host these uh, coronavirus harvesting, DNA harvesting parties. And now they're no longer pushing the app. So this is a little bit of breaking news. Uh, my article's uh, pretty much done. I've, I've put it on there for my editor. But this week on Wednesday, two governors have been invited or voluntold to go to the White House. And that is the governor of Colorado, right? And the governor of North Dakota. Now, what do these two have in common? First of all, I urge you all to look at their flags and the slogans of the flag, not the new Colorado flag, the original one. Okay. And then I want you to think what common things do they have? Wind energy. What else? Oil fracking, right? Fracking more in wind energy to say uh, the least. Now, if you remember on May 1st, I broke the news to you as it was signed that our uh, president actually signed uh, an executive order in regards to the bulk, uh, you know, the infrastructure for power. So basically, you know, wind turbine parts, blades, uh, transistors, transmission uh, equipment. You know, metrics for oil, uh, computer software programs that transmit stuff, transmission of the power from the harvest, you know, place of where it goes. So this was done on May the 1st, and I told you it was very important. And here's where it comes down to. What you need to understand is that windmills don't have different versions. They're all just windmills, right? And so everybody across the planet pretty much shares uh, the design, pretty much shares the, the, the software that's being used. So it's cheaper and better. So let's pretend my I'm a Chinese person and I've created the software for this windmill. Then I sell it uh, for like licensing to someone in France. So France is pushing it as their own thing. So here's how we get Chinese code and the ability to have open backdoor portals into our energy infrastructure. This is how you take down power grids. This is how we have, oh, do you remember how we had those like bright light explosions a couple years ago with like, you know, what was it they were telling us, like capacitors or whatnot? Did you know that they had uh, bootleg such stuff going around in the market? I kid you not. Just like you get a Prada bag that's like bootleg, they had bootleg ones. Um, they did. I kid you not. And it's, it's pretty insane to think that we're spending our tax dollars on things that were bootleg. Like counterfeit transmitters from China were in our market and major, major, major vendors were selling them to us. This is where it's at. Counterfeit, bootleg, trans. So, one thing that we don't want is them taking down our power and our infrastructure of power, correct? Like our power grids, our ability to have the internet, right? All these things. So this is where it comes down to it. These two governors are going to the White House. One, you know, Governor Burgum has a lot to answer for. His Gestapo tactics, 
you know, his DNA harvesting parties, this app, where'd you get the money? Because suddenly the minute I CC'd the feds on it, you know, the app's no longer being pushed. Harvesting parties aren't being done because that's the way you get things done, you guys. We don't have to come out with our guns a-blazing. We use what we have and we communicate. That's what we do. Now, I did that on the back end, which puts a really big target on my back. You know, <laughs> they might say, hey, you put this pencil away, so now we're going to lock you up, Tori. You know, they, they are capable of doing something like that. No joke. So going back to it, these people are going to be going down there and they're going to be spanked and they're going to be discussed because it was only those two governors that were going down there. And that's their commonality. Uh, that executive order was signed on the 1st of May and it also applies to retroactive. So if you purchased it before you have software or anything, you need to work with the department of energy and replace and assess. And maybe one of them put a purchase going forward. Who knows when the executive order was in place, but I wanted to tell you about this little trap about governor Doug Burgum in this last minute. So I've told you guys that Governor Burgum of North Dakota owns like half of the city of Fargo, like literally owns it, like the property. And he has this project called Project 9 where he like envisioned of making like this high luxury, high rise apartments and whatnot. But he didn't have money. And not only that, the federal government had to give him the okay to start building and doing things, right? Well, he got this big fat loan about a year ago from this investment company in Chicago. They usually invest money for Chinese and he got $77 million. Well, now we're on lockdown. So it's not like you can build, right? And it's in Cass County, which has the highest incidence of getting coronavirus. Well, guess what? The easement came in, you know, the federal government said, oh, you could start building. And then he turns around and says, yep, we're unlocking Cass County. I don't care if you have coronavirus victims. We'll be just fine. Let's get building. You see how he works for himself? You see that? You see how that works? Trap, trap. It's here. So we'll see what comes out of that. I wish I was a fly on that wall where they have that conversation. On that note, God bless everyone. Keep your eye out. I'm going to be publishing a lot of things today. See you all tomorrow. Same time, same place. God bless from everyone here at Red State Talk Radio.